0: Hey everybody, welcome to The Blacklist, the show where we interview the elite. Today we have Bo on the right-hand side of me, and today's a special treat because, you know, The Blacklist is all about finding people that are essentially behind the scenes that have done amazing, amazing work. This man has done phenomenal work, is very humble, very genuine, and I appreciate, you know, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh man, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, it's an honor to be
1: included on the guest list for sure.
0: yeah. Yeah. So for people that don't know you, I know, you know, I I know a little bit about you and we both know a lot of people, um, you know, very similar inside of the space. You've done amazing work with, um, you know, shooting commercials for LeBron, Arnold, right? You've managed over $250 million in ads. That's pretty huge. But for everybody else that doesn't necessarily know who you are, who is Bo at its core? Yeah, no, it's
1: interesting. Uh, the internet marketing space and kind of advertising in general orients itself around disciplines, right? Like yeah. PR, advertising, like Facebook, tick. Oh, you're the TikTok guy. You're the Facebook yep, guy. And, yep. and I've, you know, quite candidly, I've always struggled with that because marketing is, we don't shop that way yeah. as, as consumers. Like, you know, I make a purchasing decision after visiting a lot of things and we build into, <laughs> you know, like, and that's, that's what it is. And so a good marketer should have some level of Swiss army knife capabilities and things like that. And and so I was kind of like looking kind of in the rearview mirror and it was like, you know what? I think why I've always kind of bucked against that trend or always kind of more drifted towards more the ideal of being a Renaissance man yeah. and at least knowing a lot about a lot or a little bit a lot um, is because of my background. And so I was born into, um, my folks were missionaries. Uh, and so we grew up going and traveling. By the, thing, by the time I was like 13, I think I'd been to nearly every state in the US and five different countries. I'd been like mostly, and by the way, countries, I'm not talking about like, bougie experiences, et cetera, nothing against that, but like was held at gunpoint in Russia, like literally held a, had a knife, you know, held on me in Kingston and downtown Kingston, um, had some people fall around me in China in terms of, you know, fair, trying to figure out what we were up to. And so yeah. all of that experience kind of culminated into, I think some level of a PhD in anthropology at an early age, yeah, um, yeah. just by just kind of getting saturated in a lot of different cultures, a lot of different of those types of things. And so I think to tie it back into that first point, my discipline is humans. I really, really love people in general. And I think I I, I love to understand what makes them tick and the behavioral psychology around that. And I think that's given me a decent amount of staying power in the marketing, advertising, and just business growth space because trends are going to come and go. Those things are great. It's good to know great operators that understand these disciplines. Right. Tying that all together in concert together as a composer, is really something that I really enjoy um, overseeing and helping people out with.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. And you know, you're you're also a father, right? And what I like about you is, you know, sometimes when we'll speak, it's like, yeah, you know, family first. Like, you know, I got to go attend to this. Like, you're very much family oriented as well. So, although I'm mentioning a lot of his accolades, I really want to make sure that everybody knows as well. Like, he, you know, prioritizes his family very, very much, and I, you know, look up to him for that because I just had a five month year old. Even right now, before the show. Really Thank you. Even yeah. before the show. He was like, you know, before we come in, he's like, let me go greet your daughter. Let me go, you know, greet your girlfriend, things like that. So he's, you know, super, super genuine. And I appreciate that, so.
1: Oh, dude, don't get me talking about it too long. We'll lose like a half <laughs> hour in a, in a hurry. But, um, you know, I think, I think that we all need something to ground us. Yeah. And, and as much as I love work, I mean, it is my hobby. I, will probably, I don't think I've watched a down of football this year. I'm not wow. looking down on anyone that has. It's fine. It's a great pastime. But like, literally my family, mountain biking and business. Like I do have a hobby. It's called mountain biking and those, and that's, that's great. That's grounding as well. But I think that if you're going to like have staying power in this game, you need a a third place, Yeah, right? You need something outside of it. Uh, and so for me, that's my family for other people. That's, that's other things. And that's great. But, um, I, I think in some way, because of my kids kind of dramatic entrances in those world as well, I think it's really kind of solidified or carterized, if you will, my role as a father. Um, yeah. my, my, my son, who's now seven, was born two months early. And uh, my daughter uh, was born nearly three and a half years ago with a, a pretty significant um, spinal defect called spina bifida. And so we can get into that a little bit later. But uh, the point is, I think that, um, you know, you find your third place either reactively or proactively. And mine's kind of been a mix of those. But I, I think it's it's my greatest role. It's my favorite role. It's also one of my harder roles, but I think it's the one that I've had the most um, positivity just pushing into and has really grounded kind of my general thinking because you can come home from a bad day at the office and wrestle around with a three-year-old on the carpet and, I mean, game over. Like, no matter what email you got that day, like, yeah.
0: come on. Yeah, so, yeah. I, and I've been experiencing that too. Yeah. You know, it's like, man, I could, you know, something could happen or whatever and, uh, you know, I'm out of the flow for a little bit, but the moment I see my daughter, it's just like, that stuff doesn't necessarily matter, yeah, you know? Game over. Yeah. No, I I, um, I see that too. And so part of, you were telling me, you know, before the show too, you were saying like part of that is resilience. Like if you look at your life in chapters, there's three chapters, right? The first part is resilience. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, all of those experiences that you had, right? In anthropology where basically you were everywhere, um, that uh, that seemed tough, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: interesting. I think, you know… The old Mike Tyson quote, like, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? Yeah. So, like, I, I am working with young founders in my current capacity and learning and beginning to start to write about some of these experiences and share with them. Um, quite honestly, I'm usually the guy behind the camera, you know, creative yeah. directing and things of that nature. And so, um, hi, camera. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, I think I think we all have a plan. And uh, it was funny. I, I was a bucko five, five, three, my first year playing um, football. And, uh, and I, I can't see out of my left eye that well for a story long. So I was ended up on the line cause I can't catch a ball. I don't have great depth perception. Yeah, And, uh, and so I ended up on the line and my coach always called me the Weeble Wobble, which is an old school like toy that has like, you know, a sandbag in the bottom. It's an airbag and you punch it uh, over and it, backs, it, yeah. it, it bounces back up. But the, the definition of resilience is when you get essentially kicked in the face, like punched in the face, how fast do you get back up? Yeah, And uh, because I think we can all agree that it's not if, but when in life, uh, the longer that you live. Uh, You know, COVID was a good shock to the system for people that haven't been through hard things or things that were kind of life-altering and things like that. So I think this discipline of being able to bounce back is so, so important. And so for the first five years of entrepreneurship, um, again, like I could tell you story after story, of bad days and good days. Um, but I think it is people that have staying power in this learn to have resilience, right? And so I think that comes through, um, you know, I think that we, as men, we have um, we have some, some good, like basically some God-given roles, um, however you want to look at that, uh, and some responsibilities and some rights. But I think if we're not on mission, if we're not uh, pointing towards something, my seven-year-old, uh, Bedtime has just been a hot mess lately. And, uh, and so we put together a small list, right? I'm like, all right, we got this and gave them some like responsibilities, like, hey, we need you to run downstairs and get water for your sister and things like that. And sure enough, like within a week, bedtime turned around because I gave a boy who's yeah. becoming a man some responsibilities. And I think that's, that's the power of entrepreneurship. Usually entrepreneurs are on mission of some sort. Right. And the way you back, bounce back fast is that you, you tie your your um your rights, right? The things that you, you feel like you have um you got given like an opportunity to press into those responsibilities into purpose and that's gonna give you the chance to get back off the ground faster.
0: Right. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Why dive into entrepreneurship when, you know, you could do anything in the world? Um mean, it was out of principle
1: to be honest I uh, I was at office Max corporate and 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 also some goals on the personal side of things to move to Colorado but I was at F- office Max corporate at the time uh, that I took my step into to kind of towards entrepreneurship uh, I at that point had been had, I had the opportunity to uh, work on the team that elf yourself right they created the elf yourself campaign I'm dating myself but uh, we created 150 million elfs that danced and you could paste your face on Flash animations and dance and this, that, and the other. And that was really incredible and viral. But also, I didn't quite candidly always see the return on that type of thing. And digital was starting to happen at the time. And so so I thought, man, if I combine what I'm learning about digital with this idea of stewardship and generating an actual practical ROI for people, I think there's something there. Yeah. This is a long time ago. So now that's yeah. not a novel concept, but you can imagine at a time that was. Right, right. Right. Because I, I, I was like, well, what did 150 million million get us yeah. to our bottom line? And it was always a little bit hard to get that answer. And, and we, we had a good answer for it, but not a great answer. And right. So my, my step into entrepreneurship was helping.
0: Yeah. But uh, okay, cool. And I, I want to dive into, like you said, the moment you go down, because everybody in entrepreneurship knows that that's going to happen. That's pretty natural, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and how quickly you get back up is based off of your mission you set, or your purpose. Mm-hmm. And at the time, what was that? Oh, man. Uh, at which time that I got… <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'd say the first five years probably, um, because those are probably the hardest.
1: Yeah, I think, I think there's times that… So, I categorize stress in three different categories. Uh, and we'll get to your answer, but I think yeah. this is an interesting anecdote. So, like, there's stress that you create for yourself. There's stress that others create for you. And then there's just circumstantial external stress, yeah. And so as stress comes in. I triage it and look at those things, and I'm like, "This is stress that I created for myself. Suck it up, Buttercup. Like, yeah, congrats, yeah." But the circumstantial stress and the exterior, like exterior exterior stress. Um, let's just take my son's first. Or I was gonna say my son's first birth. Um, my son's birth, <laughs> my first yeah first kid's birth. He was born two months early, and I remembered I had a, a list of like. 16 or 17, really, really critical to do, to do is like before he comes, these are the, like, the things that need to get done for the business to be tidy. Yeah. Well, in that case, it was reactive, it was circumstantial. The mission of taking care of my kid and being there as a father and as a husband in that moment took over and gave me the energy to do things that I normally I wasn't doing a few weeks prior. Right. Right. So I won't like, but we lived in the hospital for, with him for six weeks. Wow. And so I'm trying to like navigate and run this business at the same time. Um, but that's where superhuman strengths comes in. So you either reactively put in on mission. My mission was to take care of our son, take care of my bride, be there, be present, uh, or, or proactive. In my life, it's mostly been reactive. So I have a hard time answering this question to proactive yeah. sense. Yeah. But if, if, if that sounds like you, you'll, you'll know it when you see it because you'll find some fire in the belly. If you're missing fire in the belly, you're probably missing a mission that you're passionate
0: Yeah. Powerful answer, powerful. And so it changes, then uh, it changes for you. But you always have that uh, kind of like burning desire to to, to move forward mm-hmm. or move past something. Yep. But I think I think w- what I want to get to is like why? Because another person in your in, in your situation, yeah. yep. Um, you know, could be why me, you mm-hmm. know, or you know, could have completely different thoughts than the way you just kind of spoke about it.
1: You have two choices: either You either can be the victim, or you can be the victor. That's it. Yeah, you got two choices, right? When when my wife and I uh, found out that we were going to have a kid born with special needs, he said, "Hey, this is either going to push you in together, like SEAL Team Six style, or it's going to push you apart." That's yeah. it. Those are the two. Those are the two scenarios, right? And so when you're put on mission, whether that's in the context of team or not, just know that stress. And I'm watching it right now around founders. I could tell you some pretty nasty stories of what I've seen over the last six months. Yeah, this you know little bit of a depression, uh, recession that we're going through. Um, it, it makes nasty things in people, but it brings out the best in people too. That's true. And so my encouragement is just like, yeah, just make that choice early and show <laughs> up and fight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And so right now with, uh, you know, the way you're currently helping, you know, agency owners, um, cause right, you know, right now you're working with Josh, right? Mm-hmm. And that was how long you've been working with Josh? I probably should tell people what I do. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's go into it. Let's <laughs> go into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so you know, it's been a
1: three chapter career in, in essence. I've worked with brands for the first, let's call it, three to five years, uh, deeply on the agency side. Sold an agency, um, got the opportunity to work with even bigger brands. Go sell into Google or go sell projects to like Google, Twitter, um, consult with Netflix and Southwest, and and do you know Fortune fifty type level stuff. Yeah, and uh, and then really throughout that, uh, you know, to be honest. This sounds weird, but I'll just save some of you guys the punchline. But if you are living with the gusto to like fly to Portland to Nike's campus and call on them, there's life beyond that. I'm not like there's a punchline beyond that that's yeah. worth fighting for. And for me, that's uh, in a professional context. That's being in the corner of the founder throughout that journey. Because uh, it's if, if that is your aspiration, I think that's fantastic. Uh, but there's life beyond that. And that's kind of re- brings me my third chapter, which is being in Founders' Corners throughout the most pivotal time of their professional career, which is buying and selling businesses. Uh, Having done that myself, uh, man, it is an emotional time. You are being taxed beyond your kind of initial skill sets from just like learning new words. And, you know, it's a glossary of terms and all those types of things. And so, professionally speaking, that is is my chapter I'm in, is helping people buy and sell businesses.
0: Yeah, and you're the CEO of Dealflow Brokerage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So a good friend of mine that I met, uh, kind of in the industry, a guy named Josh Aliz-Eche, uh and Lo Silva uh, had picked up a brokerage in the last year year uh, or two, and we're looking for a leader uh, to step in, kind of commandeer that thing and, and run that. And Josh, um, you think you know I have a decent resume in this space? Josh is the, Josh is the penultimate, just incredible crusher and the direct consumer an omni-channel space. This guy, yeah. at his age, which is young, I don't know, I won't share his, his age, you can look it up, he's young at the end of the day, and he has bootstrapped his, his uh, snow teeth whitening to a $250 million top-line business. And yeah. so, to learn and be around and work with that guy, and Lo Silva, who is, like, MBA level, you know, pro level at his craft, which is also consulting and helping brands through this thing called Powerhouse Mastermind. Uh, just to be in these guys' worlds and also help founders with their network and my network grow forward. That's that's the chapter.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you always, you always give people their flowers, you know, which is really, really good. Um, and so what are you guys doing at DealFlow? Which I know you're helping, you know, agency owners with MA. and Yeah. Um, but dive us into it, how it looks like, not necessarily on a day-to-day basis, but kind of the sure. overarching.
1: Yeah, um, so a few things that we've noticed in the, just kind of the brokerage space and people, helping people, the business building space, call it, um, is it's actually pretty rare for a founder to find someone to be in their corner in the middle of that transaction. So a lot of times we, to be honest, a lot of my peers in the space just find the first business that will, you know, buy the, a, a company at its highest multiple or whatever, and that's great. But I really, I think the, the chip I have on my shoulders, I want to make sure that that's the right transaction. Yeah, that's the right thing for that founder to move into their next transaction. And also if they're not ready to, to transaction or to, sorry, to, to, to sell, man, to refer them, to put them, to put them in the ecosystem that's going to get them ready to sell at the highest multiple, um, and the, in the best way. And so through powerhouse and through the ecosystem we built through our blacklist, yeah. um, we can put people, you know, in your world, if they're, if they're suffering at PR, et cetera. And so, yep. Yep. um, that's the unique angle I think we have on the market is the ecosystem we've collectively built as entrepreneurs and the business acumen that we've gained. We've gained from actually doing this stuff over the years. Yeah, and uh, and that's man, it's it's been a pretty intense first you know few months. Um, right now, we've got about two hundred million dollars worth of companies on the portfolio that are that are looking to find the right partner. Yeah, uh, all profitable, all great companies, and uh, and then we were working with some amazing people on the buy side as well um, that you know are looking to put good amount of money in the market and invest right now and a time that quite honestly is great.
0: Yeah, so the the companies that are working with you, are they do they end up, you know, going through you, going through you guys because they know they want to sell and they're ready to? Or is it um, you know, they're, they don't know that they want to sell yet and then they're kind of working with you guys and then you're like, hey, positioning yeah. them I think you do both, right?
1: Man, I love that, that that ladder, right? I love that conversation, man. There's no better time to prepare for retirement, right? Or like, yeah, you know, there's no, I forget the idiom, but you get the general idea. It's always right. better to, to start that conversation earlier. And that's my guidance for anyone listening is please like start the process, learn the numbers. And this goes back to my story with Eli. I wanted to build an exitable agency, but until I was like punched in the face and had to step away from that for six weeks, I didn't actually get a good repeatable process and operationalize my agency so that it could be built to sell. Yeah. And so like my encouragement to anyone is to take two weeks off of your business. If you're running a business of any sort, see what breaks, come back, fix it. <laughs> yep. And guess what? You're taking steps to having a repeatable business that is actually sellable and resilient yeah. for the marketplace. And then if you don't know what to fix or need guidance on that, give give someone like me a call and I can walk you through, hey, here's what makes you sellable. Read books, et cetera. But start early. And yeah. don't don't wait till a medical emergency to do that. Just go on vacation. That's a way easier way <laughs> yeah. to, to get that report card.
0: Yeah, and, and and so when you're helping out these you know founders, um, I, do you ever notice that like a lot of these people don't necessarily want to sell? Like they say yes, I want to sell, and the moment it comes down to it, they're like, "This is my baby. I'm going to lose out on cash flow and you know things of that sort." Or is it pretty much smooth transition? Everybody's like, "Yeah, I want to go ahead and move forward with with my life and sell."
1: I think it depends on where things are going from a macroeconomic standpoint. Usually, you know, I think that I if I'm working with founders, usually they want to sell. Uh, they either have a bit of ego involved and there's a number that's in their head that memorize it. Like not until this thing's worth X am I going to sell? The challenge with that is if you fall out of love in your business between, with your business between point A and point B, the business has a propensity to go down. So goes the business. So goes your energy. So goes the business. Yeah. Right. And so if you get an offer and an opportunity, like, listen. Actually listen to it. And if it's a few million dollars or a few hundred thousand dollars less than what you do, I got news for you. Like, those things don't come around every day. Find someone like us to put in your corner and navigate through. You can, you can, there's tax strategies. There's ways that you can, you know, some of these things can become a, a rounding error if it's just your ego that wants to sell for five million and you have a three and a half or four million dollar, like, offer. Just yeah. come on, bro. It's first world problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh The core <laughs> of your question was, is like, you know, I think, at what point should people sell? Oh, do they fall in love with their business? And then kind of at the, at the, at the at closing the end, table. Yeah. Um, this is the qualitative side of it. I think, and this is where like, I have a heavy influence on perspective, right? Uh, I think that there's this idea of, man, I'll be starting from scratch after I sell. Or what will I do, do yeah. with myself? Or man, this is my baby. There's just bigger things in life to get emotional about right? Like there just are. And if you negotiate in such a way where your people are taken care of in that transaction uh, and that you can go and pursue the next thing, you're always going to be building on the foundation of the thing before.
0: Right. And I think uh,
1: if I'm in someone's corner in that moment, they have that moment. I'm like, Hey dude, all these skills and all this network and all this thing is not going to like just randomly dissipate after you sign that document. In fact, it'll grow into the next thing and it'll give you an opportunity to do something beyond. Yeah. Build from that foundation.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's why they need to speak to you. Because like you said, uh, you have that perspective that they might not have. And yeah. you've done it multiple times. So you kind of know exactly how it works. Is there ever, a, um, you know, deals where you're like, hey, this is probably not the right, the best thing to do? Because it sounds like a lot of what you do, you are in the agency founders like corner. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily just looking for the biggest transaction. You're set, you said you're looking for the right transaction.
1: Yeah, to be clear, we serve e-com companies, SaaS companies, service companies, uh, et cetera, and beyond. I mean, we've got some just kind of, you know, kind of middle of America like manufacturing stuff in the mix that we're looking at, or even yeah. um apparel and soft goods and things like that. And so it, broadly speaking, yes, I'm in the factory. And that comes from both sides of the table. Sometimes we represent represent buy side, right? I'm shopping actively for a guy that wants to go buy a certain type type of company and we're we're helping represent him in that. Um the important thing is. So going back to my three themes a little bit, you've got resilience, yep. I think congruency, and leverage. And we're kind of getting into leverage. And so when you achieve or graduate to that point where you have something that's of value that you can leverage, uh, whether you're on the buy side or the sell side of the transaction, having that perspective matters. And that's how you build teamwork. My wife and I have different weaknesses and strengths. Yep. Yep. We're still team six in terms of how we take care of our kids. Um, and she is strong where I'm weak. A good business transaction looks like that as well.
0: Mm. Explain that analogy a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So, again, I'm going back to why people wait too long to exit, which is a a bit of a thesis for me. Yeah. Um, I think that people have this idealistic view of uh, everything's got to be predictable. Everything's got to be SOP'd in my business. Everything's got to be perfect before I even start to shop a perfect business is not an acquirable business because that doesn't have deficiencies that an acquiring party mm. can actually step in and monetize off of and scale. Yeah. So what you're looking for is a business that has some characteristic strengths, some resiliency, some congruence within its, its offering to the marketplace. And then you're looking in that process for congruency. to. So, so okay, you sell PR so-and-so does a great job with paid. Okay, you can do a JV, you guys, whatever. There's a lot of like things that come from learning through those deficiencies. And that is like the penultimate uh, idea of leverage through growth and acquisition. Yeah. Is lowering your own ego and pride and going, you know what? We do have some deficiencies. I'm sure there's someone out there that could could leverage our customer list to go and do bigger and better things. And
0: and that would be just fine with me because I'm really good at this thing. Right, right. Learning to think through that is. Yeah. I think that was kind of like an aha moment, you know, Mm -hmm. especially for me because you're right. Um, You know, as a business owner, you're like, crap, I got to fix all this stuff, you know, um, whatever that might look like, right? There has to be SOPs for everything. It has to be perfect, but there is no perfect business. And in fact, if it was perfect, um, either one, you probably wouldn't be selling it. Or number two, buyers are looking to buy businesses where they can influence a certain portion of it. So that way they can grow it. 100%, man. Yeah, that's the truth. And I think I
1: think, you know, exposing your network to that and being comfortable with your strengths and your weaknesses takes uh confidence, to be honest, and a bit of humility, but certainly the ego shouldn't be present at that table.
0: Yeah. And go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. How big how big does uh or or your how big is your network that with with the deal flow stuff? Because um I know a lot of businesses are for sale, yeah. right? You can find them on find them on buy, biz, sell, you know, all that type of stuff. But um I'm assuming not a lot of those get off the table. So does a big portion of this have to do with the network that you've built and that Josh has built? And that's the reason, you know, you can move the needle in a certain direction?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. We and I might I was gonna say never. We will likely never be a public listing in terms of our our how we list our businesses that are for sale. We will have some that are publicly listed just so people understand what kind of businesses we're we're representing and are on the market, but this is not a directory. Yeah. It is a concierge experience in the mid market. Typically in one to fifteen million dollars EBITDA range, so bottom line. Um, So these are companies that are not on. uh, And listen, I know Ray at Flip, they do great work. They're awesome. There's a there's a litany of great director listings out there for that kind of small, like smaller, smaller to early mid stage company. Our network has given us us this gift of gravitational pull of kind of pocket listings of off market businesses that Mm. aren't in a place where they've arrived at a place where they have to sell.
0: Right. Because then, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go for it. Because
1: <laughs> that's not great for, well, it's, it can be great for the buying party. It's not as great for the selling party. You yeah. just put yourself in a, a place where it's. Uh, and so what we're seeing is that just the gravitational effect of our network brings in these types of profitable, healthy businesses that are looking to leverage their, their strengths, products, widgets for the marketplace. And they need a strategic advisor to help them company to to buy them, yeah, uh, or conversely, you know company to to sell or to buy. Excuse
0: me. Is there an average of how long it usually takes from the moment they start working with you to the moment they they sell? You know,
1: I, I think you know, like again, going back to parenting and uh, there's not demeaning our founders, right? Like we always try to do our functional stuff first, and yeah. then we get to the fun. A lot of people reverse that in the deal cycle, and they'll do the fun part first, and they'll go find the perfect buyer, and then they'll get to the closing table, and then they'll start asking all these really, you know, yeah. hard questions. And it'll, now we're getting into the functional part of it, and due diligence, and this, that, and the other. We try to front load the functional elements as best. We're going to tidy up the books. We're going to work through addbacks. We're going to work through all these types of things just to make sure that uh, the deal can move fast. It's a long-winded way of saying we like a deal that moves three months. men is pretty normal. The industry averages about six. Yeah, uh, we really pride ourselves and try to try to work as hard as we can. to get. There. Got
0: it. Got it. Okay. Can I ask a more personal question about sure. that whole deal? Okay. Yeah. What percentage do you guys take in the deal when, uh, you know, helping, helping? Yeah, no, it's a,
1: so it's a sliding scale starting at 10%. Uh, actually, it, it actually goes down as the transaction goes up. Okay. Uh, so a million dollar, you know, acts at 10%. Got it. And then as you grow into five, 10, 15, et cetera, it's just declines. Okay. Uh, so yeah, and that's pretty standard. across.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I mean, I mean, when, it, when, if you're working with people like Josh, you, you know, obviously that's uh that's a no brainer because this, if you guys can help them find the buyers, if you guys can strategically help them with, you know, uh, taxes or whatever, however that looks like in a deal, um, I think it's well worth it. Right. It's almost like a, like a real estate agent almost in a way, right. Where they're helping you find the right house and things of that sort and they take a percentage of it. Yep. Except you're just doing a lot more work, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, and you know, I think one of the things that for people that are just not ready, we, uh, we have by we I mean, Los and Josh have a, a mastermind house called Powerhouse, and yeah. so we can put people that are kind of in that not if but we're kind of getting closer to the win stage. They can walk through that, learn, really capitalize on that, and then we have a deal where it's kind of self liquidating, where they can basically get their mastermind fees back if they end up brokering with us. Which sounds kind of capitalistic. But it's actually just the way the ecosystem's kind of worked itself out where we can really serve people throughout that. And then, you know, ultimately, the money kind of all, it's just different profit centers at the end of the day. And, and yeah. we're all there to serve the founder. It doesn't feel too squirt.
0: Right, right. So this is this is a new chapter for you, mm-hmm. but not necessarily because you've already kind of been in that space a little bit. Um, how long, or or what do you see yourself doing probably within the next three to five years? Is it still, you know, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's a
1: fantastic question. I, if you haven't picked it up on, I think I've arrived at a place where I really enjoy mentoring and being a part of lives. Right. And yep. so at some point um, early in my career, uh, my, one of my many mentors, a guy named Steve Embury, said, hey, Bo, I, I appreciate your passion. I was putting in like 80 to 100 hour weeks at Office Max at the time. And he was like, I appreciate your passion, but like there's a high probability you're not going to retire. here. So like yeah. pay attention to the people around you and push into the people that you really enjoy, really feel like you can impact. Uh, and so that's the that's the perspective i take. And as I've kind of checked off some of the bigger brands I've wanted to work with. I was like, that was cool, but I really enjoyed supporting the founder throughout that, no matter yeah. what how big the company was. Uh, and so this this chapter gives me the opportunity to do that in this capacity. I don't know how that's going to iterate over time, but that's kind of my thesis.
0: Hey, that's on an honest uh, answer, you know? So I know you have a book that you're writing right? Yep. What, what's the title of the book, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah. Um,
1: the Oh my gosh, I just forgot the byline because I was like, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> The Resilient Rebellion. So I love this idea of resilience, as you guys have heard. Uh, but it's how to, you know, how to basically live a full life, make bank uh, without losing your soul yeah. uh, along the way. And I think um, I used to and still do quite candidly struggle with that idea of being rich and wealthy. Uh, and I think some of that comes from my upbringing, but it also comes from now I've put ai I have a place where I know where that money. can, go. And so that's that's kind of reconciled. that uh, But the, the, the idea of not losing your soul along the way is equally important, if not more important, because I think that we think that there's all these concessions. You've had some guests that have spoken into this. Like, yeah. Oh, I feel like I can go really hard on the career side of things, but like it's going to come at the expense. Right. I love both and like. I do my hardest. I work my hardest to to be both and and win on all fronts at all um, I, I think I think that work life integration is real. I don't think work life and balance it's not perfect. I'm here on a weekend,
0: right? Like yeah, it's not yeah. perfect,
1: but I'll I'll do my best to like recalibrate that with the kids.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so the book is about that Yeah, sorry.
1: Uh, so within that think about it this way. How do you what are the core foundational milestones to build a resilient life? And what are the core milestones of building a resilient business? That's what the book's about is those yeah. two streams and how they how they dovetail nicely together. And what are the markers and the frameworks? Um, because a resilient business is a sellable business as well. Right. Or a healthy business. Um, so I think it's worth a smart.
0: Yeah. And when is that book coming out? Oh, now you're putting a timeline in. I like it. Uh, <laughs>
1: I, I mean, three to six months, probably six to nine at the, at the top end, depending on how many, you know, grammatical errors, uh, yeah. you know, I've got to get into for the, the revs on that. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty, pretty excited about it.
0: Okay. And your framework, how, um, you know, how deep is the framework? Is it three things? Is it seven? Is it a list of 10? So yeah, it actually goes
1: chronologically. So every year of my career, I've written out a framework that I took from that year. That is powerful. And, and you've done that for how, for how many years? 15 years now.
0: Wow. So That's hard to do.
1: Yeah, because I think distilling these learnings into frameworks is where you actually can share and transfer those skills to others. Yeah. Uh, the f- sorry, quick pause there. The f- the first framework is this idea of man when when purpose, profit, and proficiency are all on the table as a human being in general, that person's going to be operating at the center of their calling. And so I had a good buddy at A and when I studied there. Sorry, it was a weird A and M thing. Um, Walk me through that. And he said, Hey, like your first job, you might not be like operating at your highest level of purpose, right? You might be like, you know, scrubbing toilets, right? Like you're going to gain proficiency over time. And, and within that, you're going to get to call the shots and, and wander into places of greater purpose for you. Yeah. But, but to grow in, on all of those fronts is really, really important. So that's an example of a framework. So every chapter has one of those frameworks that I learned in that year and steps all the way through. In the-
0: yeah. Good, dude. Good. Um, okay. So, I kind of want to dive into, this is more personal um, on the family side, mm-hmm. just because, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a recent father and things of that sort. So, you said, you know, it's not perfect, but uh, it's work-life integration, not mm-hmm. work-life balance. What's the difference?
1: Oh, man. Think about it in the context of, like, harmony, right? There's, like, minor keys and major keys. And so, you know, if there's a week where I have to push real hard Monday through Wednesday, I, I'll, that's a minor key on the, on the, the home front, right? Like there might be tw- three 12 hour days in a row, whatever that looks like. Well, I try to surround that with major keys when I get home and I'll take that Friday afternoon off, turn my phone on airplane mode, whatever, and really try to have the pendulum swing the other direction. If I can. And so I Got think it. most people try to have this miracle morning. If you have a three-year-old, you will never have a miracle morning. It's just <laughs> not going to happen. I look at it as like, could I have a miracle month? Could I have like mm. if I zoom out? Can I can I can I work it in such a way that I have uh, adventure that inspires me, uh, great time with my wife, great time with the kids, and move the needle on the business? Yeah, that's a good
0: month. Okay, okay. And how does that look like in a day to day?
1: Every day, I think I'm really sensitive to the day before in terms of the push, right? And so. Um, not fantastic at working out, but if I really push the day before, yeah, I might sit in the hot tub for a minute, like at six o'clock in the morning, and just give myself that grace to just chill out and yeah, and and, and really settle into it. And so I think like it's funny I started as a joke, and it's actually kind of grown into more than a joke. Uh, I've got a small group of guys that are following that we follow each other on this thing called seventy five medium, Uh, because <laughs> <laughs> not seventy five R <more. laughs> yeah, it's like seventy five medium. And listen, I love to go hard, like I love that, but I don't think that's realistic. I can't work out. T- uh, two times a day and be the husband and the dad that I want to be. Just yeah, what it is it's right difficult, now. Yeah. It's just what it is. Uh if you can do it, great. No judgment. But um
0: I think moderation matters. <laughs> yeah, 75 medium. That's good. Who, who's all in that um chat with you or that Oh group? It's, it's man, it's a it's funny. I mean
1: I've got a small little following. I think we got fifteen, twenty, thirty guys in there and we're just like, you know, we do a little bit of intermittent, intermittent fasting. We push yeah. each other. Um, you know. I wrote out the rules. You can go, I I guess I should post something else about it. Anyway, um, yeah, I'll share the rules. Follow me on Instagram. I'll share the rules uh, just publicly so you can kind of see my modifications.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I I like it. I like it. Uh, Because I agree. I think, um, I mean, I know there's literally a guy right outside that is doing 75 hard right now. He's like on day 50 or something like that. And then I try 75 hard and it's, Freaking hard because yeah. like the travel and all that type of stuff. I'm just making excuses, dude, right? Well, no, no. no. I, I like I, to join I, 75 mediums.
1: 75 mediums where it's at.
0: I think the problem with
1: well, 75 hard is day 76. And I think like yeah. for every for every like big push that I've ever gone through, like just human nature is to swing back the other way. Yeah. And so you know, I think I view discipline that same way. If like you need to set up maintainable disciplines in your life uh, yeah. that exist within the constructs, dude. You've got a five month at home. Yeah. I would never look at a guy uh, in a mentorship capacity and be like, "You should totally do seventy-five hard right now." Cause oh. like I know that's going to come at the expense of his wife, yeah, of his career. Of like, there's always going to be someone that that you know, kind of ends up get drawing the short straw. So,
0: so you say a lot. You say no to a lot of things. Then I'm assuming, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. What you mm-hmm. know? How, how does? Yeah, I guess like how does that look like? Because a lot of entrepreneurs have this shiny object syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. They see this, they want to do this, they want to do that, right? They think everything's going to move the needle for them. Mm-hmm. You're very aware of what moves the needle for you. Mm-hmm. It's mountain biking, it's family, and it's business. 100%, man. Right?
1: And I think, like, if it's not congruent with those three things, it's probably going to be a no. Yeah. And, and I, I used to, like, be like make excuses or, be like, man, don't take it personal or whatever, but I'm literally just operating within the frameworks and the principles that I've created for myself. And, and I think, like, if it's not the right thing at the right time with the right people, it's it's not going to make the list for me.
0: When did that start happening in your life? When did you end up figuring that out?
1: I think once again, reactively, like I would do the right thing at the right time with the wrong people, and it would not it would not be. Right time. Yeah. Uh, or I do the thing the right you know work with the right people on the right thing would be the wrong time, and I felt like I was forcing. Uh, and, and it would be out of congruent. kind of my principles. So I really measure everything through those three things at all times. Yeah. Uh, and and that's allowed me to say no a lot more.
0: Is there anything that you've said no to that you regret? Oh, man. Do you want to know the list? Uh, <laughs> so
1: there is, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, like, building other people's audiences and uh, and serving them behind the scenes has been one of those things that's like, eh, it would have been cool if I'd shared or documented that along the
0: way. Yeah. Because you're just doing it now.
1: Correct, yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, I've yeah. been on the blacklist hiding, you know, behind these big brands for over fifteen years now. If you don't mind me asking, yeah. how many
0: how many podcasts have you actually been on? Probably half dozen. Half dozen. At This point. Okay. I and mean, in fifteen years, yeah. So that's a, a little bit.
1: And when the stories are hilarious. I mean, I like. I actually was kicking myself. I forgot to put on. I was going to tell a quick story about a watch that was a hundred percent a fake watch that I got in China. Yeah. Uh, while on a buying trip for we did a celebrity endorsed product line. Uh, and we went on a, a trip to go over source product for that that uh, celebrity. Yep. And uh, and we both bought each other like fake watches and just had a great time with that. So like I've got stories like this just for days. And I'm like, I guess that's not normal.
0: Yeah, no, to, that's, to do those that's types not. of
1: things. And so I think some of it's just been I've been so in it that I'm just like now coming out of it. I'm like I probably should hear about some of these things.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for people that probably haven't worked with the level of clientele that you've worked, how is it different from you know a normal? I'd say agency owners just kind of working with either, either local clients or, yeah. yeah.
1: So I had the opportunity to uh, do a bit of creative direction for Drew Barrymore, uh, my final chapter. So like, sorry, we kind of skipped a chapter. So I excellent agency, worked mm-hmm. with a, 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 a larger full-service agency in Boulder. And then when my second kiddo came along, I really, really pared down to, okay, what are the like three to five clients I really want to work with? And left that agency altogether. That's a story in itself. Yeah. Um, and really operated within congruence. So going back to saying no, uh, I learned to say no. And I said, I literally was like, I told the guys on the, on the leadership team, I was like, guys, I'm leaving at 4.15, 4.30. I posted my numbers for the year. Um, I'm not going to be doing the 10 o'clock pitches with you guys. Uh, that that was, wasn't congruent with my life anymore, right? I broke the equation appropriately So and, and took a step back from it. So I focused in on three to five brands. Uh, for the last two, three years with a good business um, co-founder of mine. And we just served them privately, right? Like there was no public presence around that. There was no 40 people that we needed to feed day in and day out, like we'd done in our previous parts of our career. And we loved it. Uh, So that's what no looks like. Yeah. To to go back to that previous question. And what does it feel like to work with these clients? Right. Uh, So, Working with Drew Barrymore or the people that represent her or on her team, quite honestly, it's just everything that you know, foundationally cranked up to 11. Okay. Right, And so if you're foundationally strong, it's the same thing as football. I didn't play that well, but you know, if you watch football players, the game foundationally is the same walking and tackling is what it is. It just, the speed increases. And that's what it is when you get into these, these, like just the speed of the game increases. But foundationally, like, and that's my biggest encouragement to any service provider. You already know how to block and tackle really well. You just need to get the muscle memory and the reps and sets for the pace to pick up. And if you yeah. watch any first-year first player in college, like, yeah, the first, they're like the snap and then it's like gone. Yeah, right? And they just get used to that speed. But the only way you're going to get used to that speed is probably out your coverage a little bit. Sorry for the mixed sports metaphors. All but, good. All good. But, but, but by just putting yourself in the, on, the, on that field and seeing if you, if you got the chops to play it that yeah, and a lot of people, a lot of great service writers do. They just don't have the confidence to put the scope work, bigger clients or the
0: network. To, well, to. well, give us an example because um, I know a lot of uh, successful people. They say success loves speed, right? Mm-hmm. How does it look like to play at that level and just go and just move ten times faster than a normal agency would? Like, give us an example so, of somebody that sure. you know of, of a normal traditional agency, yep. the way that they would work with a client, yep. and then boom, how it moves in, you know. How it, yeah, how it all works with yeah, you guys.
1: I'll take a, a, an isolated example. So, uh, to, I have three different plates that I, I spend and they're all congruent with each other or they, I wouldn't be spending them. So, I mentor, yeah. I mentor business owners and brand owners one-to-one. Yep. I do a bit of group, group coaching for service providers and then, really, like the lion's share of my time goes to these M&A deals. And yeah. One of the things I do is, uh, it's called a 3 P's workshop. So, I'll come in and I'll get, help someone get their positioning, their, um, oh my gosh, the personas, the positioning and their their marketing process in yep. line. If someone called me today and said, Hey, can you do this for a brand tomorrow? And I go, Cool, what industry? Send me the URL, like, let's go. That's what proficiency at speed looks like. And then showing up and being able to walk into that room and make sure that I delivered time. Yeah. So whatever it takes to get the amount of reps and sets where you can do that on lock at speed with very minimal prep. That's what it takes to be in those rooms. Now, the first five 3Ps workshops, I would spend five days in prep getting there. And, there's, and now, with respect to that client, I would spend a good three to five hours as, as best I could. Right. But the reality is I could probably, and I say this as little literally as possible, just reps and sets. That's all it is. I could still walk into that room in three to five minutes of prep, looking at their website, understanding. Yeah. And be able to step in and, and create
0: exponential. Yeah. That's powerful. So this is a personal question for me. Yeah. Um, what I've learned is that it's not so, I mean, clients care a lot about the deliverable. That's why they're hiring you, but they also care about the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're working with clients, it sounds like, you know, from, from this analogy that you just gave me, mm-hmm. um, you're saying like, look, if somebody said, Hey, we need to do the positioning. Uh, and I forgot, literally forgot the other two. persona and then your marketing process, your customer journey. There you go. Right. If we we were to do all that and we show up tomorrow for the meeting, um, you know, that. For me in my head, I'm like, okay, was there onboarding? Is there anything, you know, right? Like it's yeah. like that's 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 in my head because I've noticed that, hey, clients also want an experience. But for you, it's like, you know, we're moving at a fast pace. Like this is what you asked for, this is what you're getting. Let's get it done, move forward. So is it is there a right and a wrong way, or is it just like, hey, it depends on the business?
1: Yeah, God, the magic's what happens in the room, right? And so like I I think the only time I'll prep a keynote these days is for an actual keynote. Yeah. But like, honestly, it's about the whiteboard and about that person's needs. And so, if they feel my full presence on their business for that eight hours in that scenario, uh, that is the customer experience. And if I deliver them incremental wins and walk out of the room, I have failed. Mm. If I deliver them exponential wins and paths to exponential wins, I have won and they have won. Yeah. And that depends on how you onboard and how bespoke you are and your and your customers. this is this cannot operate in a template. It has to be you and an expo marker and a conference room. That's the experience, right because yeah. no one's delivering that. Very few people are delivering that in a transformational way, right. right. Um
0: and so I mean, you can't transform in a template
1: hundred percent. yeah, you could I mean, and and yes, I probably could, and if it was a core focus of mine, which it's not right now. I could probably dress that up with like, cool, let's meet in a fancy place. Let's do this and that and the other. But but most people just want their business, like the squeakiest wheel to be, to not squeak anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and to like, you know, put some jet fuel on something somewhere, right? And, yeah. uh, and so if you do that effectively, you'll crush.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And, and it's always good, you know, interviewing high-level entrepreneurs because you get to see how their mind works. And yours is very much like, look, if it doesn't align, it's a no. Um, what you're looking for, this is exactly what you're going to get. And I'm assuming that's a big part of the reason why you're successful. Because even even with the the, the teeter totter, or you were mentioning how like the, the uh, Weeble Wobble, yeah, the <laughs> Weeble Wobble, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's like you get a, you you get you go down and then you get back up. It's like very simple for you, and for I, other people, it's very complicated. Sure, sure, right. Like I feel like your whole personality in that way. It's like you've you've made a lot of complex things simple. M and A for people that don't know about it. I don't know about it. Seems incredibly complicated right? It's probably one of the biggest, hardest things to do, I think, mm-hmm. is to sell your business, know what you're doing, purchase an acquisition, you know, at, you know, buy another business. And you've, you're like, yeah, that's uh, simple. It's what you got to look for and <laughs>
1: Well, well I, I think it goes back to that, like, I mean, 80% of it's the qualitative side, the people side of, the, of it, right? It's just the emotions of that whole entire journey and creating a win-win. And if you're blunt about what the other t- side of the table needs and what you need and you work through that, uh, congrats.
0: Like, (laughs) you know, like
1: that's, that's 70 or 80% of it. Yeah. The other 20% are just foundational. Like it's a glossary of terms that you need to understand. If I walk into a room and I want to sell my business and I don't know what EBITDA stands for or SDE, or don't understand some of the the union speak of that industry, it's not going to go well for me. Right. Right. And so that, that's probably where, um, and every discipline has this, right? If I stepped into, I wanted to do a software development project, I need to learn the language of software developers to make sure I'm managing them well. Uh, and so every space has that, but the 80%, 80% of it's just the people side. And so, I guess that's where I'm decent at.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. You, you, yeah, you're really good at that. You're, you have a lot of self-awareness. I mean, literally what you said earlier is you categorize your stress into three different you know, scenarios or three different categories, right? So what do you think Josh ended up seeing in you where he was mm-hmm. like hey I want to work with Bo, because that's that's a you know you're very self aware so mm-hmm. obviously this might be an easy answer mm-hmm. but I think it's good to kind of go deep in and you know kind of reflect like why why choose you he could have chosen anybody sorry no, no he wouldn't true, have chosen anybody true
1: story Josh could have I mean Josh has a I mean I have a deep bench Josh has a, a deeper bench for yeah. sure, in terms of amazing professionals and uh, and so I, I do appreciate that he did share some things along the process and and so I'll repeat his texts not mine and his words not mine but uh you know, I do have a bit of a, a, a renaissance man personality type, right? So I can, I can jump into just about any experience and speak into and respect a founder for where they're at and where they're, they, they need to be and where they're going. Uh, second to that, I would say um, every situation to me does have a level of that 80-20 principle where yeah. that 20% is really important to me in terms of those exceptions to the norm, right? And so I'm going to let each founder, buy side, sell side, etc., uh, know that I care. Right, and that's going to be the bespoke side of it. The other points, the other the operational stuff, that's just leverage, right? That's just that's just SOPs that I can leverage for the betterment of that uh, of that founder. Um, So he showed me that that I understand that. And then the third point is that I can tell a story, and I do care, and I can step into a business and very quickly. I always use it like real estate. It's like Chip and Joe. I don't know if I'm Chip or Joe. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Depending on the day, I love walking into someone's company and going, "Hey, you know what? Like." if you just like prune the hedges over there, put some new carpet in, dress this, that, and that, like you could probably flip this thing for not much, like for, you know, for a pretty sizable multiple and save the money on the other stuff because you're ultimately going to get sold to someone that's going to be good at that other stuff too.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, well, that's good. That's good. Um, one, one thing that I also want to cover is primarily like you, you well, I kind of want to backtrack actually. Um for your one-on-one coaching, is it very similar to the co- to the to the group coaching, but just obviously a lot more tailored, a lot more whiteboard? I, I go pretty deep.
1: Uh you know, one of my one of my one-to-one clients right now is running uh, a service company for 14 years now by himself. And it, to be honest, and I would share this with the table, it's like he's making up for lost time of not having a co founder for 14 years. Yeah. And so that can be a conversation on a sunday night at 10 o'clock of going hey man like the tank's empty this week what do i do that's different than hey a thursday one i'll see you. and if you need phone a friend support and we give in a group we give everyone phone yeah uh, as well so everyone gets a bit of that but um you know for one-on-ones closer to carte blanche within reason within boundaries uh, and jenna knows my wife she knows like if i get an sos text at right sunday I'll make sure everything's sorted out and settled. And then I'm going to go take care of that person.
0: And do you feel like you didn't have that, which is the reason why you're kind of giving it to, to entrepreneurs? Because you, your biggest thing is like helping them, being there for them, genuinely caring. That SOS text, like, I don't know too many entrepreneurs that would actually, you know, do that or even give out their phone number, right? Like, uh, I guess, yeah, I've never really
1: reflected on why that's my method and why that's my approach, but I suppose that's that's what it is. And so like, you know, you've… you've uh, you've interviewed one of my coaches that, that offers that to me. Right. And uh, Cody Jefferson. Yeah. And, and Cody. Yeah. Like there's been some really, really critical junctures in the last nine months. I'm like SOS and it's Friday at eight or nine o'clock. And like, that's really, really special. And so I, I don't, I think I'm just now gaining and investing and being a part of some of that. Uh, at this point, I've had that maybe in a informal sense. And so to offer that in a formal way to a handful of yeah. And I think it's special for them. I mean, feedback's been good. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, no.
0: Oh, 100%, yeah, right? Like yeah. when they're able to, to to text their, you know, mentor and things like that, that's huge. Um I just I just personally know a lot of like, you know, mentor companies and things like that that don't offer that. They offer maybe a Voxer, they offer maybe email support, you know, maybe Slack channel, um but I don't I don't know anybody that would, you know, offer their phone number or be available like that. Um so it definitely does show how you care. Yeah.
1: And, and there's a reason it's been, I mean, I don't have, I literally don't have a website for that. I'm qualifying that founder as much as they're Yeah. And it's very much invite-only.
0: Yeah. So so why step into the spotlight now?
1: It's interesting. So I, I, uh, I was out hanging out with my wife's extended family uh, out on some property in and it. In and, and Colorado, it rains for like an hour or two or maybe 20 minutes and like, and then it's sunny. So we were hunkered down under... Uh, a structure just kind of like waiting out the rain. And one of her cousins asked me a question. And I, I just really quickly, I think I had like, I don't even know if I had a sheet of paper or whatever. I like probably just drew on my hand or something. But I just drew, you know, hey, in life, uh, there's profit, there's proficiency, and there's purpose. And that framework. And I sketched it out and walked him through that whole thing. Uh, I should just, what I'll do is I'll publicly list the first three chapters of the books Oh on, wow! on Instagram. Um, so check that out. Uh, sorry, I was like I was like, yeah. that's a good value added. for 45 <laughs> yeah. minutes. I'll just go and just public. I'll just throw the PDF up. Um, but I, I just quickly walked him through that, and I saw his eyes light up. And I was like, I've carried that with me for 15 years, and never shared that outside of a few stages here and there. And I was like, yeah, to withhold is to to withhold is to actually be selfish, and to withhold some of these learnings is to hold back the gift that I could share. And some of these, a lot of these things are hard-fought gifts. I, I would prefer not for people not to learn these things the hard way, as I have. So I'd like to compress time with people, share these things. These.
0: Yeah. So So I should be seeing you on a lot more stages and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I, again, it, it, if it's congruent.
0: Right. Oh, yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, dude, I appreciated you being on the show. Where can people find you?
1: Uh. So, uh, man, simply just at Bo Harrelson. B E A U. A lot of vowels to accomplish one sound. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then Harrelson is H-A-R-A-L-S-O-N. There's not too many bows running around out there, so hit me up there. Um, and then uh, I need to get better at posting like where I'm gonna, where in the world uh, am I going to be. But for the moment, I'll, I'll start uh, publishing and sharing the stuff that I'm on. And
0: then uh, deal Flow, within itself will start publishing a lot more content
1: yeah. uh, as I sit in the driver's
0: seat. Yeah. Well, before, before we end, you said you can help people with evaluations.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So, internet marketing, right? we If you've been in the internet marketing space, most most good digital marketers know their customer acquisition costs, yep. uh, their average order value, and their lifetime value. Uh, hopefully, you do. If you don't, you should go figure those things out and find someone to help you with those yeah. things. But, uh, but a lot of those founders don't know what they could sell their business for, right? Right. And and so, going back to that mission, if that's your mission, you probably should know that number, right? Like, and you should be tracking to that number and some KPIs around and so in the M and A space, that's called your valuation, right? Uh, it's a, it's a, and and it's a number that can move and fluctuate with, and you know how how diligently you eliminate key man risk, things of that nature, right? So, I've been on the hunt for third party valuation teams because I I can do this a little bit, but like there's people that do this for a living. And right. so we brokered a, and and got together a deal and was like, hey, for a song, can I offer legit like third party valuation to our network? And uh, and so. Uh, depending on how complicated your business is, there's some scenarios where we could probably offer at least a directional number to you for close to free. And this isn't a lead form. This is not like, you can go to whatever website and get some sort of like, they'll ask you five questions. It's a glorified lead form. Let me let me be very clear. This yeah. is actually like, there's a third party involved. There's people that do this for a living. Um, hit me up if you, you need those. And then depending on the complexity of your business, yes, there might have to be some money involved. But, um, but we've definitely, on behalf of the entire network, I was like, so, drop me a note on Instagram. Um, I'll send you the details to that. We'll figure out if it's if it's free, which I think probably 60 70 percent of people we've been able to do that for free. Yeah, uh, and then you know the other x percent. There's just complicated complications. I'm like, yeah, within the integrity of this valuation, we probably should actually spend some money to like make sure that that's right. Um,
0: cool, dude. Well, I appreciate you being on the dude, show. Come on, Thank man. You so much.
1: Um, thanks so much. Uh, can I ask you a question?
0: Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> If you were sitting in this chair
1: a year from now and you were defining success as a father, business owner, etc., what would that look like for you?
0: It would be replacing myself uh, with the CEO and somebody managing that, me continuing to be the face and taking my daughter and my wife everywhere. Kind of like how I am now. Dude, I love it.
1: Yeah, you're already practicing like near probably 60% of that right now. (laughs) Yeah, It's just a matter of installing a CEO.
0: Yep. You get there. I'll hold you to it. Perfect. Thank you, dude. (laughs) Thank you. All right, brother. Appreciate it, man.